Welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. The summer break is almost over and to join me this week to discuss the news and maybe look ahead to Spa is Chris Evans. Hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello. Maybe we'll look ahead to Spa. Maybe. Oh, a tease. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to cut that one word out of the sentence in editing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not anymore. Too late. It, too late for that. <laughs> oh no, all this is gone. Don't you worry. <laughs> Um, so, as is traditional with Back of the Grid, we start the episode with a piece of news that came out mere hours after we released our last episode, <laughs> and that is that Alonso is officially not going to be competing in Formula One next season. Um, we all kind of saw it come in with the fact that we talked about it on multiple occasions this year, and the fact that none of us had Alonso in a seat during our 2019 <laughs> grid predictions, but... I'd say that means we're not surprised. I don't know what you guys think. No, not really. No. Um, I think he's always on the cards, really. Um, it does. It is a little bit sad now it's finally happened. Like To think about F1 without Alonso next year is a little sad. But it's, yeah, it's not like it was um, a Ricardo to Renault-esque bombshell. Like I think everyone saw this coming. Yeah, yeah. I think so. One of the key things, I think, was that a lot of people made the instant thing of he's retiring from F1 and he's done with it, but there's a lot of things that sort of say that that might not strictly be the case. So there's still hope out there for those that want Alonso in F1. Yeah, him and McLaren chose their words very carefully in the statements, didn't they? Yes, it Mm. gave the impression that he may have a, clause of some kind that maybe sees him do a Jensen once in a while and, and yeah, step possibly. in as a reserve, something like that. But Well, yeah. I think it's more he'll wait until McLaren can win races again and then maybe come back. I think that's the more logical thing, if there is a thing. Yeah, in the statement it says uh, I want to thank everyone at McLaren. My heart is with the team forever. I know they will come back stronger and better in the future and it could be the right moment for me to be back in the series. Which, yeah, basically is, if you start winning, I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. That won't happen anytime soon. That won't happen. Well, I don't no. think that's going to happen while McLaren is, uh, while, sorry, while Alonso's uh, eligible to be an F1 driver, if you like. like yeah. I think it's going to be, you know, there's already loads of really, really fast sort of young people coming through yeah. the, like, with the likes of Norris, uh, Leclerc, uh, George Russell, you know, the list goes on. Well, I mean, so. remember when um, Mick Hakkinen took a sabbatical and that was about 18 years ago and he's still not come back. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, as, as much as he said that, I really don't think we're going to see him back, to be honest. I'd love to see I'd love to see him come back and win a championship. It'd be, oh, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Back oh, yeah, one, definitely. But, but uh, my, in my heart of hearts, I just don't... Well, my, in my head, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, like the only two drivers that have really managed it in any way are Raikkonen and Schumacher because obviously Schumacher came back to the Mercedes team and Raikkonen went away for a little while and came back, but it wasn't as 
as big of a break, I guess. Was um, it? How about Grosjean? <laughs> mm, <does> that, <laughs> I guess demotion to GP two for wild counts. circumstances, but <laughs> yeah. no, I know what you mean. Um, it's not a common thing for someone to leave F one and come back. No, and if he's and if if it does hang on McLaren winning races again for him to come back, I don't think we should be holding our breath. There's a lot needs to happen at McLaren in order to put them back into a position, as we've said before, to put them back into a position where they can yeah, be winning races. Still years away. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with Stu, the fact that by the time that happens, that it's Alonso's past his prime and there's probably going to be other young blood in the seat that that probably deserves it more at that point in time. So Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, but speaking of young blood, I suppose, filling McLaren seats, uh, we got his... Uh, replacement announced didn't we last week <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is like like for like for replacement <laughs> yeah yeah spanish that's yeah. that's about as like for like as they yeah, are but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh carlos Sainz was confirmed to replace alonso next season but nothing concrete about who science's teammate may or may not be well yeah <laughs> given who's going to be driving the mclaren in free practice one guess whose car is probably driving He's actually driving Alonso's car. Is it? Uh, that, that, that news that we'll get to. Stu's skipping ahead a little news story, <laughs> but the news is very... Um, I mean, there's not much... McLaren heavy this week, but yeah, the other news story that we were going to touch on is the fact that Lando Norris will be featuring in FP1 uh, on Friday coming up at Spa, and he's actually going to be in Alonso's car. Um, so that strikes as possibly seeing nah. what he's capable of in the car to to see they're if just he's worth the seat do you think they're just keeping their cards close to their chest there if if Alonso was still i reckon no regardless of like what what was going to happen with Alonso science whatever if Alonso was still in that team he would definitely be driving Van Dorn's car at Spa because they need to run the guy they need to run him in formula 1 the thing about him being in Alonso's car is purely because they're going to play their cards close to their chest. If they put him in Van Dorn's car now, then it makes it obvious that Van Dorn's gone. But then the other way of looking at it is, you put him in Alonso's car, you have a direct like for life comparison with your two potential drivers on the same track on the same day. And that's sort of how I almost perceive it is I can see what you're saying, Stu, where the fact of not kicking Van Dorn out of the car is them trying to look like they're not picking favourites for, for next year's seat. But I I can also see how putting them both in an FP1 session together yeah. and you're potentially right, getting them to run similar setups and similar strategies or, will ultimately help them get a rough idea of pace against one another. Yeah, other, absolutely right. I, I'm wrong. I realise now <laughs> what I said was completely wrong and that is absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> or actually what I think might be more likely is a third option Ooh. is they know other teams are sniffing around him. So they're just putting him in a car to make it look like they are going to put him in the seat. <clears throat> just Could to maybe take a bit of attention off him for a bit. Yeah. Poss- all um, possibility. <clears throat> I mean, and so now we know Sainz is going to McLaren. That almost certainly means Gasly is going to Red Bull, which means You'd Toro Rosso. Yeah, which means Toro Rosso have a seat to fill, and we know Toro Rosso have already inquired about Norris's services. So, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting little circle of seats, really, isn't it? That yeah, yeah, it's all now. starting to fall into place now. Yeah. Though. So, did you have anything yeah. more to say about Sainz to McLaren, or, or was that? Um, 
it was not on the cards, but it was in some some lists, wasn't it, as happening? Yeah. Did either of you two have science down there? I think you did, didn't you? I think I might have done, yeah. I think I've I had signs and Van Dorn. Or I know I had signs and Norris. I had signs and Norris. You both well. did, in fact. You both had signs and Norris. I've referred to the original list. Yeah. yeah. Which um, I'm feeling more confident about now, to be honest. Yeah. And I was I, I was never in doubt. It. I was never in doubt. <laughs> yeah, it also helps you to out with the Gasly to Red Bull thing. Because yeah. Obviously, science is out of the picture there. So, T- to be honest, though, like I was a science fan for a while, but he went to Renault and Hulkenberg, at least in the first half of the season, has pretty much outperformed him in every measure. Um, mm. so I don't know. McLaren obviously sees something in him, but I'm not sure. I did like. Um, he said like he's going to speak to Alonso about like you know how to get the best out of life at McLaren. And I saw <laughs> someone reply, does that mean Alonso's going to tell him to go and drive everything else he possibly can yeah. that's not a McLaren? <laughs> go and drive, yeah, drive anything but a McLaren. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, what, that's what my advice would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, endurance championship's great. Indy 500's good fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, another bit of F1 news, staying with it, is um, Perez is reportedly close to renewing a Force India contract. Um, in short, it's that there's a renewal clause in there for an extra year to cover next season. And it sounds like with the buyout going through, it's likely he would be taking that option. I guess it's just up to the... It, it's how it works legally on if the option's still 100% there and if the team want to go with him, I guess. I don't know how it'd work from that perspective yeah i think if they don't i think he won't have much trouble finding a seat elsewhere i mean we've said all along that Haas seems like a really good place for him and i can still potentially see him ending up there i mean let's face it we were told on several occasions that ricardo's contract was very close to being signed and look where that ended up so exactly exactly you just don't know what's going to happen next year but that's that's part of the fun of all this that you know like it's so unpredictable at the moment all the driver market that it, it gives us loads of uh sweet tasty news to talk about and speculate oh, yeah. about plenty of content yeah yeah content for days <laughs> content <laughs> that's what it's all about um so you sort of touched on wec being quite fun for mr alonso um hmm. and you two had the pleasure of watching him pound out a few hours in the in the toyota this weekend did you not we did yeah had a had a day out at silverstone yeah, a lovely um, day. A lovely day at the races. And as is becoming uh, a theme now, we go to World Endurance Championship race and the winning car gets disqualified a few hours later. We've been to two races now and that's happened twice. <laughs> so um, we saw Alonso win in person and then later um, Toyota's both got disqualified, um, which is all the more devastating because at one point Jensen Button's car was running a pretty solid third place um, until... I think it was the turbo might have failed on it or yeah, something yeah. in the end. We watched it um, go pop, didn't we? It happened right in front yeah. of us. Telltale cloud of smoke right in front of us, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, just streaming out of the exhaust pipe. Absolute, yeah, disaster. Yeah, it was a real shame to see Jensen's car out before he even got in the car. Yeah. Um, I've, you but... know, I've never actually seen, I've still never seen Jensen Button turn a wheel in a car in, in the flesh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I was really man. hoping. I was really hoping that I'd finally get to break that duck this weekend, but no, sadly not. It wasn't. To and be. there was there was actually like a lot of people there with button flags and stuff. Like, yeah. I, th- I think 
It was interesting because it felt like there were less people there this year than when we went a couple of years ago. And we were saying, like, obviously the Alonso effect is not having quite such a big draw here as it has in other countries. But then I think the button effect maybe was a bit stronger and definitely seemed to draw a few people in. Um, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's just, if you've never been to WEC, I mean, That's Life guys have been on this podcast before and said the same thing. It's just a really, really good day out. It's, considering, like, this is, in theory, like, another top tier of motorsport up there with F1, the experience of being there couldn't be more worlds apart. Yeah. Yes, in terms of the access and things. Yeah. The access you get. So, like, at one point, Chris and I, we went into the... Uh, you can you can just walk into the paddock. Paddock's open. Um, and then you, what you can actually do is drive... is walk down right behind the garages. So, we walk the length of the pit lane, but behind the garage, like directly behind the doors into the garages. And you just, it's just the hustle and bustle there of all the mechanics doing work, people doing work with tires, like people doing work on cars. You can see it all, all of it. You can stand at the back of each garage and look inside and see work going on, on the cars. And you're literally feet away from, from the mechanics, the drivers. Um, You can, you can see the screens they're all looking at. It's just all wide open for everyone to see. It's fascinating. At one point, um, we were walking behind the um, the Jackie Chan team garage, um, and there was a guy. I think he was just like washing tires or something, um, and just rolled a tire across the front of us to one of the other mechanics in the back of the garage. Like you're literally right there in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, and then when one of the rebellions um, crashed out in the race, <clears throat> um, yeah. there was a four course yellow for a while. We that was just before we headed to the uh, back of the paddock. And then suddenly we heard like a, a truck behind us and there was a pickup truck driving in, had a glance and there was the crashed rebellion on the back of the truck. So we could just like yeah. go and stand right next to it and have a you nose could, round and take a few pictures. We could have literally walked over it and touched it if we were inclined yeah. to do so. Like That's how close you could get. I've got a great photo actually that I'll post on um, on social um, of how just how just to illustrate how close you can get yeah. in fact I might even make it the episode graphic this week because it's one of my hmm. own actual photos nice um, that'd be cool yeah. um, and then I think the other highlight was um, an awful lot of the wing which is the pit complex building is open as well so you can go in and they have like they've got a big screen in there and sort of bean bags in one place and there's like bars and food and stuff but it also means you can get out on the balcony that overlooks the actual pit lane so we stood above the Toyota garage to watch a couple of pit stops going on like directly below us um, and watching the people on the pit wall opposite we saw all the pretty much all the Toyota drivers didn't we kind of walk over and have a chat yeah, to the, we saw the pit wall and stuff Kamui um, Kobayashi Alonso both of them um, yeah, Buemi was back Buemi we saw he was around yeah yeah Definitely um, at least a car's worth of, of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at least one team's worth. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Like for, To get that kind of access at Formula One would cost you, I wouldn't even hazard a guess it's how much. An unspeakable yeah, if you, if, amount yeah, of yeah, fame you, or if, fortune to require. If you, yeah. If you, if you don't know how much that costs, then, you, then you'll never have it. Yeah, that's, you can't afford that's it. The situation. If you have to ask, yeah, yeah, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Simple as that. Um, whereas we paid, what was it, about 40 quid each a ticket? For, I think it was that, yeah. 45 for a ticket and a program. For access all day Sunday, there was an F3 race beforehand. You could go in and sit in pretty much any grandstand around the whole circuit, including the one overlooking the pit straight. Full access to the paddock and into the wing. Yeah, it's just an absolutely awesome day out. If you want to see real motorsport and mingle with real life actual racers, then 
go to the World Endurance Championship yeah. and do what we did. Go into the paddock, go and look at it all. Because these guys, there's no posers in WEC. You know, it's not like you get all the all the little famous people going on their little day yeah. out. This is real racing, and it's big, serious racing as well. There's high stakes, and it is excellent. Yeah, just can't recommend it enough. Yeah. It's very different experience, isn't it? Like, I think Worlds Apart is probably an accurate way oh, to yeah, put it, really to be honest. Is. Like, you know, an F1 day is enjoyable for so many reasons, but a WEC day is enjoyable for a whole host of other reasons. Like, yeah. that, that how close you actually feel to the sport is very different, isn't it, at World Endurance compared yeah. to what it's well, like. Like you say, you can reach out and touch the cars. And in F1, like, you can at best on a pit walk you'd get within about 30 foot of a current spec car mm. yeah in f1 at best yeah we, we i mean we watched them we were still in the paddock watching them crane the rebellion car off the uh yeah was, it, was that the rebellion or was it i think it was a rebellion it's, it's the green and silver thing anyway um you could see underneath the car even if you were so inclined you could walk up underneath of a camera and take a picture no <laughs> they probably wouldn't appreciate it very much but you could do it no yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, and it's also worth going to hear the Ford GT in person because <laughs> it sounds like it basically sounds like the end of the world every time that car comes past yeah. you. It's an absolute monster. Yeah. I think that's my favorite GT car. The oh, it's, Ford I GT. Adore that Ford GT. Yeah. It's it's a spectacle to look at. It's a sight to yeah. behold, and it is just it sounds like fire and brimstone you can picture two men shoveling coal underneath the bonnet of it like it <laughs> makes that sort of sound um and another one that was really loud this week actually probably a bit louder than the um the ford gt was the the porsches were all really loud i found yeah, like a really screamy loud porsche engine yeah there was no corvette this year the corvette last year i think last time we went the corvette took the crown for loudest vehicle in the world but that was ridiculous yeah, this year the the Stu Greenwood loudest vehicle in the world goes to <laughs> um, Porsche for sure. Just for the Porsche, um, the Porsche GTs made a right racket. Yeah, and um, the other interesting thing as well was we got to watch a Euro F3 support race, um, which included one Dan Tictum, who is a yeah. Red Bull's uh, young guy, um, yeah. who had a amazing start to get. Was it fifth to third? I think he got off the line. I think so. Um, yeah. And then just sort of back. fell backwards from that point onwards. Um, and also Mick Schumacher, who was who looked really impressive, actually. I think he got on the podium, didn't he? Uh, he got his, I know he got his fourth. Fir- he was fourth, I think. Oh, was he fourth? I know he got a win yeah. the day before. Yeah, but it was um, ticked him fifth. Definitely future F1 talent there, though, I think. Yeah, yeah the, hopefully. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be great to see the Schumacher name back? It was nice to see a, a young Mick Schumacher racing because, yeah, one day we might... We might have the Schumacher name yeah. back in Formula One, which would be fantastic. Looking at the timing screens and seeing M Schumacher was definitely a little weird, but yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I can remember them doing. Um, it wasn't European F3 when I was at Hockenheim, but it was something very similar, and I forgot the exact classification of what it was. Might have been German F4, like the equivalent to the British F4. Yeah, but yeah. he was in that, and he was best place rookie in the race there which was effectively fourth like he was on the podium as best rookie but he was fourth yeah, yeah. on the on the track as well so quick kid yeah, yeah let's hope the apple promising. doesn't let's hope the apple doesn't fall far from the tree indeed shall we do some inbox 
Yes, we'll do some inbox box box. We got a lot of them in last week in response to uh, sort of season highlights and lowlights and general review at half term. Um, and now is the time to go through them. So George Coleman was in with Leclerc, has really developed the driver this year from making mistakes at the start of the year to being a consistent point scorer in one of the lesser cars. Uh, let's forget the last couple of races, though. <laughs> Um, he has really shown his potential to be a world champion in the future and if not go on to have a very successful career watched him in Formula 2 last year and could see this kid has what it takes and is slowly overtaking Alonso as my favourite driver um, well it's good you got another favourite in the wings <laughs> yeah at least yeah. at least you've got a favourite for next year hopefully providing all goes well contract wise <laughs> so um, yeah I couldn't disagree with that to be honest, we've we've been raving about him for the last couple of years, haven't we? Since GP three yep. before he was in F two, so um, we've been obsessed with him getting an F one seat and progressing. And luckily, he's not done us wrong yet, has he? No, he's a man who has got the goods. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I agree totally about the the ability to learn, which we kind of covered in the half term report last week. So, uh, Ashley Foster, um, friend of the show, composer of weird theme tunes, um, said the biggest losers this year were Monaco, followed by Canada. Two consecutive boring races that almost stopped me from watching anything more than highlights. Glad it picked up again before the summer break, which I don't think I could disagree with, to be honest. Um, yeah, we, we, it was unfortunate. We got, we, I think the thing was we got two such great, well, we got a whole bunch of such great races before that. Like yeah. Australia was a little bit meh. And then the race after that, Bahrain was an absolute banger of a race, as I love to say. Um, yeah. And then we had loads that more was... great ones. And then we got to Monaco in Canada, and they were just a little bit lower than it's almost. It's almost like the really good ones we had before made the bad ones seem even worse, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And everyone then everyone goes into panic stations. Oh, no, Formula One's not entertaining <laughs> anymore. There's no overtaking. It's rubbish. It's a procession. But... And then, then you get Baku. Then we get Baku, yeah. <laughs> like the thing for me was as well to to sort of not justify those races, but either side of them, like we say, we've had really good races at circuits that you wouldn't necessarily expect it at most years. And I think that the pressure of a circuit like Canada that in our heads is always one for a really good race, and we've all got yeah. memories of like multiple races that we've enjoyed in the past at Canada. I think that like sort of was the double letdown that all the other races were actually rather entertaining and this is one where we expected something entertaining. And didn't yeah, get it. exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I think like you, you go to Canada thinking if the if these races have been this good so far, then Canada is going to be absolutely yeah. insane. And it just wasn't, <laughs> was it at all? It yeah. was very, it was actually very sane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, very middle of the road. Um, Zach and Cheese, interesting name there, I like that, um, says, I mean, Charles Leclerc is an easy answer for the most impressive. Maybe Raikkonen for consistently being on the podium. Uh, I'm curious how you guys think Mercedes will adjust to support Lewis Hamilton in the championship race. Adjust. That's an interesting one, isn't it? That's, yeah. I, mean, I, I like the way he says, I mean, at the start. <laughs> I'm curious as to how you guys will think Mercedes will adjust to support Hamilton in the championship race. What? So he's asking if we think they'll well, favour him over Bottas. Yeah, I think it's a question of yeah. at what point and in what way because they 
generally speaking, they let them race, and it's always been uh, if you know if Bottas is winning the race, they'd not make them swap positions, that kind of thing. So. I guess it's how far do you think they'd go to support Lewis? Well, like I mean, I think they've given the game. I think Toto gave the game away a little bit in uh, in Hungary, to be honest. The whole wingman choice of words you mean? That wingman comment was a bit. Shouldn't have said that. Probably, Mm, it's certainly not leading everyone to think that they're going to be favouring Bottas in the championship battle, is it? Yeah. Well, certainly last year they said like until it's mathematically impossible for one driver to win they will just let them do whatever. But they've also never been in a situation where they've got Ferrari and Vettel pushing them this hard for the championship. So I think they might be backed into a corner to have to make that decision a bit sooner than they'd like this year. Yeah, And if they don't, that could end up costing them a championship. Because we all know where Ferrari are going to land on that decision. Yeah, yeah. and the, the the problem they've got as well is Raikkonen has been very, very consistent this season. Exactly. He's, he's having a good season. He's consistently sort of third. So he is beating Bottas. Yeah, you know, from a constructor's point of view, help like helping, in inverted commas, Lewis to a driver's title could potentially cost them a constructor's title, depending on where those Ferraris are finishing, um, you know, favouring Lewis in terms of things like strategy and, and things like that on a race day, could see Bottas fall behind the Ferraris and unable to defend yeah. from them, that kind of thing, which yeah, they, they pride themselves on the constructors as much as the drivers, I think, at Mercedes. So um, it'd be interesting to see where it goes for sure. Yeah, I think... Look, if 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 Mercedes don't win the constructors' championship, it ain't going to be Lewis Hamilton's fault. <laughs> On current mm. form, no. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'd say to that. Yeah, yeah. Next one. Next, uh, Fletch Cole said most impressive driver in my opinion is Pierre Gasly. Two high, uh, two high point scoring finishes with a Honda engine. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I mean he's definitely been out driving that car for sure. Um, he's. Bahrain was it the fifth place his first one uh, um, it was fourth in Bahrain wasn't he yeah I think yeah. fourth in Bahrain fifth in Hungary wasn't it both absolute monster drives yeah I'm just yeah. checking um, complete Formula 1 results uh, sixth in oh, Hungary fourth in Bahrain seventh in Monaco yeah mm. um, yeah I think the more he's been sort of teed up for a Red Bull seat for a lot of this season and I think to start with I wasn't entirely convinced but the more this season goes on the more he I think the more we're seeing the Pierre Gasly that won the GP2 title. I was just about to say ago. the same thing, interestingly, that the fact that some of the drives in the Toro Rosso this year that have, have led to those high-placed finishes considering the car that he's in have reminded me of the Pierre Gasly that sort of cut through a GP2 field to take valuable points when he wasn't... When yeah. he had like, may have had a poor qualifying session or been let down in some way in qualifying and was having to make his way through a field in what is sometimes a difficult series to do that um, in GP2 and F2 as it is now because of the way the cars are quite evenly matched. So I feel like we've started to see a little bit of that. Um, Almost like Leclerc had that curve where he's learned how to drive an F1 car differently. I feel we've seen something similar with Pierre in the way that he's improved to the point where I couldn't argue if they put him in that Red Bull seat at all. 
No, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be fine in the Red Bull. I think the, the the really interesting thing about if he goes to if he gets the seat next year, he's got a year's worth of experience. They'd be daft not to put him in it, really, because he's got a year's worth of experience using that Honda engine. So he, he's going to know how to get the best out yeah. of a Honda. And to not take advantage of that knowledge would be, I think, foolhardy of Red Bull to not give him the job. Yeah, that's a really good point. Totally and makes that, sense. Yeah, that's 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 that for me. That's that my opinion on that. <laughs> you uh, paused like you were waiting for me to say something else. Just, yeah. got nothing. <laughs> uh, another one we've had in is from Orkidia Solitaria. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, most <laughs> impressive driver, Charles Leclerc. Uh, the most impressive teams, probably Haas and Sauber. Uh, the best race, Baku. Absolutely breathtaking. And in general, I think the championship this year is very compelling. I can't disagree with any of that. Yeah, absolutely agree yeah, with that. Yeah, I think our review episode for last week kind of said similar feelings, really, didn't it? Against yeah, the teams on, and the drivers. The so, yeah, uh, couldn't disagree with um, any of that. Next, Eric R. said, best race Baku. Grosjean for most underwhelming. Mm. He doesn't even have half the points of his teammates. Savage! <laughs> <laughs> Poor Grosjean. Uh, best driver has to be the clerk yet again. Uh, given Ferrari's poor performance in the second half of last season, do you think they'll sort that out this year and give us a proper title fight? Um, and he also said, what do you think we should expect from Ricardo and Red Bull now that his announcement is going to Renault? Do you think this will get messy or will it just be business as usual? Um, two interesting questions there. Yeah. Um, I guess on Ferrari first, do we think they'll actually manage to put together a, a full season unlike the last couple of years? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. I yeah, me too. I think we're going to have a Bernie special this season. I think it's going to go down to the wire. <laughs> I think so as well. Like Ferrari look like a different team this year. Yeah, they do. And the, the, the difference in Ferrari this year is the strategy calls. They're getting yes. the strategy right a lot more often this year. And that is what's making the difference in yeah. the title fight so far. Yeah. I only hope at least one of the Finns can get their act together and make it a bit of a three-way fight towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Get, get to that top step at, at least a couple of times between yeah. them. Yeah. What, we need a we need a metaphorical repeat of the last few laps of Silverstone, don't we? Where there were four way fight for the lead. Yeah, yeah. That'd be the ultimate end to the season. Imagine show you know going to Abu Dhabi and they're all like super super close on on points. Yeah, oh, we can dream. Can you imagine that scenario though? Where I can't remember the last time that happened. Where you know you'd got regardless of the fact that they might only be from two teams, but to have like three to four drivers that you know, can mathematically win it depending on the order that they finish in. That'd be brilliant. Absolutely I can brilliant. tell you the last time that happened, it was 2012 when Alonso um, got held up by Vitaly Petrov. Was that, was was that just yeah. the two of them? Or, or, was, or was it 2010? There was like three, four people, even Button. It was uh, Weber, Vettel, Alonso, Alonso and, and Button. Button. That makes sense. We're all in yeah. the fight for the championship yeah. in the final Phenomenal race. Phenomenal season. And yeah, that was a that was such a good season, that one. I can't remember what year that was. It, uh, was, either, it was either 2010 or t- 11 or 12. I can't remember which. It was that. It was definitely that year. I want to, off the top of my head, go 11 in the middle of that. Because that was when the McLaren was yeah. still okay in competitiveness with Button in it. Yeah. But, I'm giving myself a broad spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the next bit of that question, what was that? Um, yeah, so what do we think is going to happen with Ricardo and Red Bull now that he's announced that he'll be elsewhere? Um, I think he's... I, I think basically they're not telling him anything about next year's car. Yeah, I think that's definitely. probably the, the long and short yeah. of it. I don't think it will affect much in terms of race weekends. 
at the end of the day, Red Bull still want maximum points from every race, so they're not going to necessarily do anything to, to hinder him. him. Yeah, I mean, it. you do wonder what will happen when it comes down to a decision where they have to choose something between Ricardo and Verstappen going forward. Yeah, you know? I think in the position that he's in, Danny Rick is probably going to expect that any any favoritism in the slightest, even if it's a minor thing, is going to swing Max's way from now on. Um, I think he will have already resided himself to that. And I think part of his move was that he could already see that starting to happen, maybe internally. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're not privy to everything. And I think maybe some internal conversations of possibly with just from things that we have heard, I think that possibly things like that helped make his decision in the first place. So I don't think much will change on the face of it, if I'm honest. But I think from his point of view, it'll get him out of a load of uh, testing and simulator time because there's no way (laughs) they're going to give him any 2019 parts to test. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He'll have a few more days off during the week. Yeah, it's going to have a chill second half of the season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's all I have to add to that. Cool. Uh, that's life. Um, sent in best driver Leclerc, worst driver Sirotkin, most impressive Ooh. team Haas, race of the year Hockenheim, and then an added bonus topic of worst haircut Hamilton's long thing dreads. Ugh. <laughs> um, okay. Hockenheim as race of the year is an interesting choice. I, it was a good one, but I think most other people seem to have said Baku for that one. But um, yeah. There's a lot of really, on this yeah, year, it's, which is it's good. interesting because it's, it's there's a, there is a wide choice. Like it's not, I would say it's a hard choice, but there's there's quite a number that you could consider for it. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it, part of it might sometimes come down to driver preference as well um, on things yeah. like that. Like I can see how Hockenheim is going to be far more favourable to a Hamilton fan than it is a Vettel fan, <laughs> for example. That's very true. Uh, so yeah. Mm. Um. um and then finally from GP2 Engine, um, is Hispania slash HRT the worst team in modern F1? And if not, who was worse? Uh, a teams that are perennially useless but hilarious to watch, good or bad for the viewing experience and the overall quality of F1 racing? Boy, it, it, it depends on what the what the gaffes they're making are, doesn't it? I mean, if, if, if it's the first race of the season and they're not putting the wheels on the uh, car properly and they're about to score yeah. loads of points, that's probably more heartbreaking than it is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I mean, to be honest, this is probably the first season in a very long time where you've not had that one or two teams at the back that you just know are going to be last almost every race. Yeah, mm. And I think that's great. Like, obviously, we've still got the three big teams and we know they're going to be filling the top six spots unless one of them retires every race. Yeah. But below that, basically any other team on the grid can be filling the rest of those points positions, which yeah. I think is amazing. Especially this brilliant. season, yeah. Um, like, we obviously had the little period where Sauber were pretty much resigned to the back because they were running an engine that was a year out of date, which is expectable, but in their situation, you can't really do much about it because you're getting a, a year-old engine. Um, yeah. I think, in general, the sort of question about kind of bad teams being stuck at the back and things like that, it's a double-edged sword for me because I'd love to see more cars on the grid, but I also don't want to see the um, Manor Motorsports and Caterham slash 
Lotus Racing slash whatever other name they went by over the years. <laughs> like teams like that just struggle to compete and basically go out of business more or less because they can't compete. And it's it's a hard thing because I would like to see those teams in the sport and competing, but not to the detriment of the fact that they go out of business. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I think the initial question is Hispania HRT the worst team in modern Formula One? I don't know. Did you, did you see Force India when they first took over Spiker? Yeah, it all depends on how you, how modern you consider modern, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe we're not talking about modern Formula One there. Maybe we're talking, that's, I mean, we're talking like 15 years ago, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah, but then, because my first thought was like the Midlands Spiker, early Force India sort of thing. But even then, like, they were all, all three of those were, well, Spiker, I think, got a one points finish. And then Midland and Force India's first season, they were kind of picking up the odd, you know, 11th, 12th, 13th here and there. Yeah. Whereas you look at HRT and it's just like, <laughs> 20th 18th 18th 19th 16th 20th 19th 17th like there's nothing there's no no high yeah, point whatsoever no in three seasons <laughs> yeah the only redeeming thing i think for hrt is that they gave <clears throat> daniel ricardo his way into formula one yes yeah well red bull red bull gave him his way into formula one via hrt yeah they, they, he made the seat available but, to yeah the, the seat that, yeah. that's the thing that i think is a bad thing about them not being there anymore. It's teams like that not being there stops drivers yeah. like that being able to get the seat and the experience. And there's other drivers that we'd have potentially seen earlier and other drivers we might have seen in the sport for a little bit longer and given a longer opportunity if it if there were more seats around. Like you might not have had such a merry go around at Toro Rosso over the last few years if there were other seats a bit further down the grid where they could test the water with drivers like for example what danny rick did so yeah that's true if, if you want to we need to answer this question <laughs> is hrt the worst team in modern formula one and yes the evidence would point to yes <laughs> yeah it's difficult Sadly. to argue with that yeah I, th- I think my favorite thing about that team back in the day was they their livery was full of your ad here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, like it, a bad website yeah it was like a oh it was it was basically a website on wheels <laughs> yeah but then like to your point tom like if you look at minardi for example like minardi were the first team for like alonzo weber yeah. davidson truly zanardi um yeah. josh Verstappen, um fisichella so <clears throat> it is nice to have those smaller teams to sort of they'll always exist they'll always exist it's just you don't want them to be so bad you don't want them to be a spaniard bad is, is yeah. The, well, is I mean, shot of that, Haas should be that team for us right now, but they just turned up and started overachieving. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't want to say they should be that team. They're the newest You'd team expect, in Formula yeah, One. Yes. You'd expect them to be yeah at the back of the grid, and obviously they aren't. They're far from that. Um, and that I think that's a good thing. I think you need teams like that to come in from time to time to show perspective teams who might want to get into Formula One that it is yeah. possible to come in if you get Precisely. get the right personnel, the right connections and the right budget to come in and be relatively competitive off the bat. And another thing I think needs to happen in order for that to happen is the budget needs sorting out. Yeah. You know, the financial situation for the prize money situation for the teams needs to be sorted out. We cannot have and I go on about this, I bang on about this all the time, but you can't have one team getting this just as a as a payment for nothing 
getting paid more than what the lowest team on the grid gets paid for prize money. Like, yeah. That shouldn't be yeah. how it is. So, yeah, that's... I mean, I, that, we can do a whole episode on that, but we won't. <laughs> Technically, we did once. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you look at... Um, before Haas, you look at all the other new teams in F1. It's like there was Mana, Lotus, Marussia, Caterham, HRT, the other Lotus, Virgin, Spiker, like Super Guri. They're all gone. They all folded. So it is nice to see one be successful and yeah, you would assume yeah. stick around for a while. Yeah, I mean, what were your expectations on the when they first showed up in Formula 1? What um who has? Yeah. Probably pretty um, low. Yeah, I would knocking around with I guess at the time it would have been Sauber and Torosso at the back. Yeah. yeah. And they've never been they've never ever been down there, have they? No. Not at all. No, not really. They've uh, they've always been there or thereabouts for for point finishes, so yeah. I can't so, recall them ever being the slowest team at a no. race. Yeah. So in conclusion, <laughs> we all love us. Yes. <laughs> we all love us, and yes, Hispania were the worst team in modern yeah. F1. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shall we do some predictions? I was just about to ask predictions. Stu, do you want to take us into predictions from that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, God, it's a bit of a, not a great lead into predictions, but <laughs> we have got, we are, of course, um, about to witness the... Belgian Grand Prix uh, this Wait. weekend coming up. I got there in the end. Um, <laughs> it's usually a good one. Um, Should be. Shouldn't have said that yeah. after Canada. <laughs> yeah, it. I've, I've given it. it the curse now. We're, we're going to have another uh, Australia or Monaco. but No, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, it will be great. Um, so we need to make some predictions. Chris, can I have your fastest qualifier, please? Uh, you can. So in last year it was... Last year it was Hamilton, followed by Vettel, followed by Bottas. Um, I think I'm going to go Hamilton again. Hamilton. Okay, uh, let's have Tom's prediction. Is this going to be a really boring podcast because I am also saying Hamilton? Okay. Um, well, every time I say someone other than Hamilton, when you both say Hamilton, you always gain a point on me. So I'm going to say Hamilton <laughs> as well, and we can all <laughs> lose a point together. Um, Tom, who's going to win the race? Oof. Guess who won Hamilton last year as well? Yeah, Hamilton um, won last year. Yep. I'm going to stick with Hamilton for a win. Um, I'm going to say Hamilton for the win as well. I think oh. most people will. Chris, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's double Hamel round. I mean, Chris, you've got you need some points, mate. You've got to go with the smart money, haven't you? I do at some point, but this is not the week for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, first DNF. It's my here's the interesting stuff. Yeah. Go on. Um, you, do, do we have uh, any stats for us, Chris? Yeah, last year it was uh, Verline in the Sauber with suspension failure, um, followed by a Verstappen power unit failure, and then an Alonso power unit failure. <laughs> Hashtag Renault. Oh, no, it was Honda back then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was uh, Honda, yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, power. I mean, it is hard on power units, this track, but they'll all have fresh power units for it, I suspect. Yep. Being Spa, so... I don't think we'll see as many power unit failures as usual. I will say it's going to be driver error that causes, because it's a very challenging track, and the driver most likely to make that error is probably Sirotkin. Interesting. Ooh. For me. <clears throat> Interesting. I'm going to go down the power unit route, I think. 
And I'm going to say... I'm going to say Ricardo, I think. Ricardo. I think it's his time for a a popping engine, which means Verstappen will have a good race. Another popping engine. Didn't he have an engine pop in Germany? Yeah, but then he was okay in Hungary. So uh, he's going to be Verstappen had so it's, yeah, so it's, yeah, they, they all see a seesaw of engine pops. Uh, Tom, who's your first engine pop? I mean, who's your first? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for this one, I like people falling from a high moment to a low moment such as this. So. <laughs> I'm going to go. Oh, that's so harsh. Randomly, Carlos Sainz because he's just got his new McLaren deal, and I remember just after he got his Renault deal, he did nothing but crash the Toro Rosso for a bit. Oh yeah. So why not? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good shout, actually. Okay, uh, Chris, it's your turn to go on first on this one. Number of finishers last year um, there were technically 17 finishers. Um. Hmm. I'm going to go a bit lower this year. I'm going to say 16. 16. Mm. We need to know really how many people finished the last race. Uh, what I've also not done is check the weather because that's an important thing. Yeah, it is. Although it's difficult to uh, predict there because it's obviously its own microclimate. It's yes. good. This. We actually provide like information about the race while <laughs> we're making the predictions, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Helpful. There is rain forecast for Saturday and Sunday currently. Okay. We had three DNFs in uh, Hungary. So, it, Tom, it's, it's Tom's turn. Number yeah, sorry, I was just letting you do your statistical analysis for me. No. <laughs> um, based on your statistical analysis and the weather forecast, I'm going to say 17 finishes. 17 finishes. What, what, what did you say the weather was going to be? Uh, uh, there is rain forecast for Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Oh, 70. I'm going to go I'm going to be boring go 16 again as well. This I I I always play it safe with 16. <laughs> it's a good days. number. It is a good number. Um and finally it's Tom's turn to go first. We have a need a random driver please, Chris. A random driver is Marcus Ericsson. Oh, Ericsson. Oh, um, classic. Let's think. Hmm. Now if it's going to rain, mm. I want to change my first DNF to Ericsson. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's, he's not that high in the standings and he's definitely been outperformed Ooh. who's first this time me that's why uh, I'm pondering okay, uh, deliberating yeah. I'm going to go he last on the road last year. I'm going to go last on the road 17th finish but back last on the road um, I am going to say 18th Ooh, so a DNF for you. Yeah, if it's I'm going to say not quite last on the road, so 15th. 15th. Okay, that's it. That's all the predictions. Good stuff. Good job. Some good ones there. Bit bit boring for qualifying and and uh, <laughs> and the win, but yeah. the rest one, the rest of them are relatively interesting. That's why we have the other ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Obviously, if anyone else wants to get involved that hasn't already, they can do so at backofthegrid.com where you can register and submit your predictions. Please do. And it is never too late to do so because there's always that prize for the first person in a week to hit a clean sweep of all five correct. Yes, absolutely. If you'd like to get in touch with us in general, we are available on Twitter at backofthegridf1 
We are Facebook. Just search for Back of the Grid. And on Instagram, we are at Back of the Grid. Uh, there's also a contact us form on the website at backofthegrid.com, like we mentioned before. And at the moment, there is also a survey, which has already been kindly filled out by a number of you that we've emailed, but it's open to anyone. And if you head to survey.backofthegrid.com, it's basically a way for you to tell us what's good and what's bad about the show and give us a little bit of feedback. So we massively appreciate that. And there's even a prize draw for everyone that does fill the thing in. Yeah, we want to know how we can make our podcast better for you, our loyal fans. Precisely. So if you can fill that in for us, we'll do everything we can to do just that. And if you do, um, one of you will get to choose a cap from the F1 store, which we will send all the way to you. Uh, And whilst you're doing the survey, please do also remember that likes, shares and subscribes on the podcast in whichever format you listen to it and even on the Facebook page are extremely helpful and massively appreciated. So please do that if you have the time too. And that's it. That is it for this week, yeah. Back to racing next weekend. Thankfully. Yes. Yes. See you on the other side of Spa, boys. Can't wait. Goodbye. Bye, Bye, everyone. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more.